The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Buzz Burbank, news and comment. February 2nd, 2017. Thank you very much for listening and for shopping through my Amazon links at buzzburbank.com. All I can say is, wow, Beyonce and Jay-Z are having twins and Pharrell and his wife are expecting triplets, but you've probably already heard. And based on a groundhog shadow, we're told there will be six more weeks of winter. But being as it's only February 2nd, most of us already knew that. So I'll focus on covering the other stuff. In defiance of warnings from the U.S. and Israel, Iran has test-fired a ballistic missile. Iran did that on Sunday. Iran's defense minister defended the launch, saying it was in line with Iran's defense program and that, quote, we do not let any foreigner intervene in our defense affairs. The White House says it's a violation of the United Nations nuclear accord, even though the United Nations has yet to say any such thing. Now, Donald Trump's national security advisor, Mike Flynn, says Iran's launch puts American lives at risk, even though the missiles barely reach outside Iran. And Flynn says the Trump administration is now officially putting Iran on notice against any more such tests. Trump acting unilaterally will definitely not set well with the U.N. or some American allies. Israel has not responded. Still, the White House says Trump is keeping all options open, including military. A transcript of Trump's Friday phone call to Mexican President Peña Nieto included an offer to send U.S. troops into Mexico to, quote, stop bad hombres down there if Mexico doesn't do more to control criminals on its own. The White House says he was joking. Trump reportedly suggested to Nieto that the Mexican military is weak, afraid of the drug cartels, which will not play well in a country already strongly opposed to the new U.S. president. Trump hung up the phone on Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull in a disagreement over his refugee policy. Trump hung up after telling the head of one of our very closest allies it was the worst phone call he'd gotten since his inauguration. Trump reportedly also spent much of the call bragging about his election victory. But he called the immigrant deal made between President Obama and Prime Minister Turnbull the worst deal ever before hanging up on an ally we need if for no other reason than hosting a base for the U.S. Marine Corps. Trump's been president less than two weeks. And the man who now has his finger on the button isn't afraid of the word nuclear. He told Senate Leader Mitch McConnell to go nuclear if Democrats try to stop his very conservative Supreme Court nominee. That's a reference to the nuclear option, as they call it in the Senate, when the majority changes the rules to confirm a nominee with just 51 votes instead of the usual 60. Republicans just used their majority rulemaking position to make that change for Rex Tillerson, who's just been confirmed as our new Secretary of State. The rules change was a way to keep Democrats from filibustering, something they publicly said they intended to do. Will that succeed with a Supreme Court nominee? Several Democrats are talking about blocking Trump's high court nominee, just as Republicans blocked Obama's, calling the vacancy Trump's filling a stolen seat. Congress shall make no law, begins the First Amendment, respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Then it goes on to talk about free speech and a free press, all important enough to include in the First Amendment. The U.S. was founded on the notion of free religion and said Congress couldn't make a law to infringe on that right. It did not, however, mention executive orders from the president. 
Let's clarify here that Trump's immigration move, supposedly for the sake of security, is a ban on Muslims entering this country. Not all Muslims, but a lot of them. A Muslim ban is exactly what Trump first proposed on the campaign trail, and it's what Trump requested when he was consulted by former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani was ultimately let go, but before he left, Trump asked him to put together a commission to figure out a Muslim ban that might pass muster. Quoting Giuliani on Fox News, the right way to do it legally. In short, a way to keep out the most Muslims without using the word Muslim in the executive order. Trump would eventually sign with his black sharpie. But Giuliani then rounded up a few Republican lawyers and lawmakers who did as they were asked and came up with what is otherwise referred to as the travel ban or refugee ban. But what the president asked for, although the White House refuses to call it this now, what he asked for was a ban on Muslims. And the signing of that executive order has led to another hell of a week. So we're clear, here's what the order says. Banned are all refugees for 120 days. Those from Syria are banned indefinitely. Families and children trying to get away from ISIS are suddenly in greater danger and less likely to find a safe home elsewhere as Europe is running out of room and money. And travel is banned for 90 days from Iran, Iraq, Libya, Yemen, Sudan, and Somalia. Excluded from the ban are Muslim countries that also have large Christian populations. Trump has emphasized the need to rescue Christian refugees, actually saying he gives priority to them. And the thing in the Constitution was about what Congress can't do in a country where no one religion is to get preferential treatment. Trump's ban has again put our troops in those countries in even greater danger, since the Iraqis helping them fight ISIS are often promised asylum in the U.S. as a thank you. Now the guys helping our guys can see how we keep our word. Some of these folks, including interpreters our soldiers cannot succeed without, were blocked from boarding planes to the U.S. or detained or turned away at airports here in the U.S. Iraqis who risked their lives for this country on the promise it would be appreciated were turned away. People who already live here and have valid visas were held or turned away. For a while, even those with green cards. Nearly 300 people were U-turned out of the country or held in custody for hours as protesters and lawyers and lawmakers fought for their release, which finally happened after a handful of court decisions against Trump's executive order in the cities whose airports had been affected. A five-year-old boy was kept from his mother for five hours as he was held by the authorities operating under orders from Trump. Church groups across the country were crushed to hear they could not, would not be helping reunite families anymore. A mosque in Texas was burned to the ground. The arsonist is still at large, but caring Americans have donated over a million dollars to rebuild it, and a synagogue has offered local Muslims a place to worship in the meantime. 24 hours later, a gunman opened fire on a mosque in Canada, killing a half dozen people and wounding even more. All within a day of Trump signing his ban, sending a signal to some that it's okay to fear and hate Muslims. The seven countries on Trump's Muslim ban are countries that were indeed under watch by the Obama administration. That is apparently how they were chosen by the Trump administration for this ban, to keep it from looking like a Muslim ban. But not included in the travel ban are Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, Egypt, and the United Arab Emirates, which happen to be countries where Trump does business, even though all four also gave us the 9-11 hijackers. The countries on Trump's no-go list have not been the starting point for any of the 9-11 attackers 
nor for any of the domestic attackers since. Not the shoe bomber, nor the underwear bomber, not the bombers in Boston, Times Square, or New Jersey, not the shooters at Fort Hood, San Bernardino, or Orlando. Those attackers came from Afghanistan, Nigeria, Pakistan, Chechnya, Britain, and right here in the U.S., and none of those countries were part of this so-called travel ban. No U.S. attackers have come from the countries on Trump's list, countries where he doesn't have business. Consequently, none of Trump's businesses have been affected by his Muslim ban, unlike other companies. Google immediately called its foreign employees home on the order. Companies across the country complained they'd lost access to some valuable people because of the ban, and there's talk in the business world of more lawsuits. A number of suits have already been filed, including those filed by states and Muslim groups, and more are in the works as business and others work to stop what is likely an unconstitutional executive order, the kind Republicans accused Obama of writing. The state of Washington is leading the way to overturning Trump's Muslim ban since its lawsuit asks that the order be stopped across the country, not just in Washington state. At last check, at least 41 federal lawsuits have been filed against the Trump administration since his swearing in, and now some are because of the travel ban. Governors and mayors from coast to coast in towns big and small are standing up against Trump's budget assault on sanctuary cities. With over a billion dollars on the line, San Francisco's leading the city's revolt. Amid talk, California might become the first sanctuary state. And now more senators and representatives, Democrat and Republican, are standing up against this thinly disguised Muslim ban. The credit for that goes to Americans, who've turned out on little notice, and sometimes in disagreeable weather, to protest Trump's Muslim ban. They stood outside and inside airports by the thousands and thousands. They turned out in overflow crowds in spots including Kansas City, there's been no trouble except for the violence last night on the University of California campus at Berkeley where it looked like 1969 all over again. Students and some outside agitators were protesting a speaking engagement by an ultra-right-wing conservative columnist who's a strong supporter of Trump. Trump is now threatening to cut off federal funding to that school because of the isolated fires and violence last night. As of this morning, thousands of prisoners at a maximum security prison in Delaware were still holding at least two guards hostage as they demand better education and better rehabilitation, but say their chief complaint is Trump. But even without the benefit of the planning that went into the Women's March, thanks to social media, peaceful and photographically impressive crowds turned out at airports and other public spots, as well as outside and inside the local offices of senators and representatives. Large groups of concerned citizens cornered some of those elected officials at town hall meetings or at their offices, demanding to know how they'll vote on Trump's upcoming cabinet and Supreme Court nominations, many of whom got through committee with Democratic votes, although that appears to have mostly stopped now. Lawmakers are starting to see firsthand just how many people from those protests and demonstrations, how many people want them to join and even lead the resistance. More than two dozen Republicans in Congress, led by John McCain and Lindsey Graham, are saying no to the executive order that bans travel from those seven countries. But several nominees have made it through the committees, because when Democrats refused to show up for the hearings, the Republicans who control all of Congress voted to change the rules, to drop the rule that required at least one Democrat to be present for the vote. Democrats did not boycott the judiciary hearings on Jeff Sessions, 
Trump's pick for attorney general, but because of the Republican majority, Sessions got committee approval anyway, and his full confirmation vote could be early next week. And then there's the chaos and fear inside our very own State Department. It began as more than 100 State Department employees exercised their right to object to a policy without fear of being fired, demoted, or held back. The policy they objected to, of course, was the so-called travel ban. And now over a 1,000 State Department employees have signed on to that dissent cable. The business management skills of Trump may have been witnessed. As White House spokesman Sean Spicer declared, if these career bureaucrats have a problem with it, I think they should either get with the program or they can go. This, said Spicer, is about the safety of America, as though career diplomats would know nothing about that. Because of the State Department's official dissent channel, the thousand who signed the objection cannot be punished in any way, at least not legally. The senior management of the State Department is already gone, and as with other Trump house cleanings, no replacements. It may be a while before there are any. Gone are people who've served secretaries of state since the 70s, 80s, and 90s, serving presidents Republican and Democrat, serving the country regardless of politics, with over a 100 years' experience between them at the top. Gone with no replacements. And in the midst of all that, the acting secretary of state spoke up, saying she wasn't convinced Trump's ban was legal and therefore she would not instruct the State Department lawyers to argue against the many lawsuits being filed by people who were wrongly detained, including a 75-year-old grandmother with a green card. Nearly 900 of the refugees blocked have, by the way, since been let in on hardship waivers, but it stops there. Sally Yates was an Obama appointee, but Trump asked her to stick around, asked her to stick around until he could get Rex Tillerson into place, so she did just as other high-ranking State Department folks have done through many administrations, red and blue, until this travel ban came. And then, knowing she was committing career aside, Sally Yates just said no. She was fired within three hours and replaced by another Obama pick, but one who says he will send government lawyers into court to argue in favor of Trump's travel ban. At our foreign strategy headquarters, morale cannot be good after what some have called the Monday Night Massacre, a reference to Nixon's Justice Department house cleaning just before he resigned in disgrace. What will happen now that Exxon's Rex Tillerson has been confirmed by the Senate as our next Secretary of State? Will those thousand-some State Department workers quit? Will they be fired? And who, with that kind of experience, will take their places? Smooth transition of power. Tillerson, complete with his ties to Russia, was confirmed on a vote of 56 to 43, which means at least four Democrats voted for him after Republicans changed the rules to allow his confirmation by a simple majority vote instead of the usual 60-vote supermajority threshold. That vote, however, also makes him the most opposed nominee for Secretary of State in modern history. And that's just in the Senate. Now he has to face a mutinous State Department. Partly because of their take on Trump, the world's atomic scientists have moved the hands of the doomsday clock another 30 seconds closer to midnight, midnight being the end of the world, which is now, according to these nuclear scientists, two and a half minutes from here. These are not conspiracy theorists. The clock is set, if necessary, every year by a team that includes 15 Nobel Prize scientists who say they based this year's move on the words of the new U.S. president, Donald Trump. 
and there has already been talk of a third world war. The final head of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, said in an interview this week, it all looks as if the world is preparing for war. Even Trump has used the phrase World War III in an attack on fellow Republicans Lindsey Graham and John McCain, who had slammed his travel ban as dangerous to American troops, to America's worldwide image, and as more recruiting propaganda for ISIS. And then there's this. The good news is we are still a democracy. The bad news is we are no longer the best one. For years, the Democracy Index listed the U.S. as a full democracy. This year, following the election of Trump, the U.S. has been downgraded to a flawed democracy for the first time ever. But the report that comes with this year's index doesn't blame Trump as much as it blames what fueled the rise of Trump and the rise of Brexit in the U.K., the report says a breakdown of citizens' trust in their government and their lack of participation in government is mostly to blame for that flawed rating. The U.S. is one of 19 flawed democracies, according to the study, alongside Japan and Italy. There are nearly five dozen countries on the full democracy list, and as of now, after all these years, the U.S. is no longer one of them. For what it's worth, one of the forces that helped propel Trump into the White House appears to be having some regrets. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange tweeted that Trump's continued refusal to release his tax returns, audit or no audit, is a, quote, breach of promise. And Assange wrote that Trump's refusal to release his tax returns to reveal any conflicts of interest were more gratuitous than Clinton's worst moments. Assange also put out a specific request for those tax forms to anyone who might have a copy so he can release them worldwide. And Trump is already running for re-election. At least he's officially filed to do so. Filing now allows Trump to continue accepting the money that continues to flow into the campaign that got him elected. Updates on your health, climate change, and more after this. We all like to eat, and a lot of us are trying to eat healthier, but we don't like searching for the right recipes or shopping for hard-to-find ingredients, and we don't want to spend a whole paycheck on good food only to throw out the exotic ingredients we didn't use. And who has time for any of that? So what if the right food in the right amounts came right to your door with an easy-to-follow recipe that you can serve up in about 30 minutes? That is what HelloFresh is all about. Delicious recipes reviewed by registered dietitians and carefully chosen ingredients in pre-measured amounts. If the recipe calls for meat, it arrives in an insulated delivery pack alongside the recipe itself and the rest of the ingredients. There are lots of vegetarian meals, too, which gives the HelloFresh menu even more variety. And everything arrives perfect and fresh, so... Hello Fresh. It's a way to save time, eat healthier, and actually enjoy the experience. Even a novice can feel like a master chef and eat like a king. I've cooked and eaten several Hello Fresh meals and they were unbelievable. Suddenly we were dining on fancy restaurant food we made in a half hour. We had the Thai pork stir fry, the maple balsamic chicken, and the hearty steak and potatoes, all filling, healthy, elegant, and delicious. The house smelled great. Even the presentation rocked. And it was easy and fun, with no trips to the store and nothing that had to be thought in advance. And HelloFresh offers new recipes every week. 
HelloFresh has a meal plan that's right for you, and you can pause it for vacation or any reason, or cancel at any time, and there are no minimum delivery commitments. And I can save you 35 bucks on your first week's order. Just go to HelloFresh.com and enter the code BURBANK. That's B-U-R-B-A-N-K, BURBANK. Save time, cut waste, eat well, and have fun. Go to HelloFresh.com and enter the code BURBANK to save big on a week that could bring the whole family back to the dinner table. While millions of Americans still nervously wait to hear what comes after Obamacare, the Republicans voting to repeal it are nervous, too. They're nervous because after starting this repeal effort years ago, they still don't have a consensus replacement plan. Republican lawmakers reportedly spoke of it even more nervously when Trump wasn't around at their recent retreat. Trump and Vice President Pence and House Speaker Paul Ryan had dropped in on the retreat. As if it had just occurred to them, Republican lawmakers later expressed concern for the 20 million Americans who would lose the health care insurance they're getting through Obamacare. But despite all their brainstorming sessions, one Republican who was there said they all left having covered, quote, zero specifics. Republican lawmakers are also worried about how they will pay for the $14 billion wall they've been asked by Trump to build and about how to distribute the tax cuts Trump has promised. Just because the Trump administration appears to be turning its back on the science of climate change, focusing instead on boosting the oil and gas industry, doesn't mean the battle to save the planet is over. Shortly after inauguration, the government's Centers for Disease Control quietly canceled the climate change conference it had scheduled for next month in Atlanta. But former Vice President Al Gore heard about it and quickly announced there would still be a climate conference in Atlanta on February 16th because he would host it instead. Under the Obama administration, the CDC set up the conference to deal with Zika, waterborne diseases, and the other effects of floods, heat waves, and pollution. Under the Trump administration, the conference just went away but only for a bit. Quoting Gore, they tried to cancel this conference, but it's going forward anyway. Gore says the conference is still needed. From all appearances, attendance will be about the same as it would have been when it was still a government priority. Under the new president, the acting Army Secretary has told the Army Corps of Engineers to resume and complete construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline that borders Native American land. The Standing Rock Sioux Tribe opposes the project and says the acting secretary's announcement is premature that more review is needed on the environmental effects of an oil pipeline crossing the river that provides drinking water and farmland irrigation for thousands. The local congressman there, Kevin Kramer, has praised the full steam ahead order, calling the new president a man of action. Trump last week signed off on advancing both the Dakota and XL pipelines. And while all that's been in the works, there's been another pipeline rupture, this time in Iowa. 139,000 gallons of diesel spilled near the border Iowa shares with Minnesota, just south of Minneapolis, really, to keep it away from the local waterway and with nowhere else for the diesel to safely go, it was released onto a nearby farm. Quoting a state official, the product is under pressure, so as soon as a leak develops, it starts coming out pretty fast. No word yet on whether the diesel on that farm has made it down to the groundwater. The company will also have to somehow make this right with the farmer. The company, Magellan Midstream Partners, says it does not know what caused the leak. 
at least one Trump cabinet nominee appears to be in real trouble. Billionaire Betsy DeVos nominated for education secretary despite her distaste for public schools. DeVos has never taught or been on a school board. She never attended public school and didn't send her own children to one. She's been unable to answer questions about evaluating test scores. And now, two key Republicans, Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, say they will not vote for DeVos. With two Republicans missing and Democrats voting no, the White House will either have to come up with a new nominee or send in Mike Pence, since it's the vice president's job to break tie votes in the Senate. And that may be how it goes, since White House spokesman Sean Spicer says he is, quote, 100% confident she will be the next Secretary of Education. The United States Supreme Court has backed up lower courts and rejected Texas's so-called voter ID law, one of the strictest in the country. It's a law that critics say keeps 600,000 Texans away from the polls, most of whom are Hispanic. Specifically, the high court refused to hear Texas appeal those lower court decisions that found the law to discriminate against blacks and Hispanics. But the conservatives on the bench, and there's soon to be one more, all but invited Texas to bring back the case after more cases in lower courts are decided first. Executions are on hold in Ohio after a federal judge ruled the Buckeye State's lethal injection protocol is unconstitutional. The judge ruled that one of the drugs isn't humane enough, crossing the cruel and unusual threshold in the Eighth Amendment. Two years ago, one Ohio execution lasted 26 minutes in violation of both the federal cruel and unusual ban and Ohio's own law, which requires that the deadly cocktail must, quote, quickly and painlessly cause death. With three executions in Ohio now forced into delay, the state's attorney general says he will appeal this federal judge's decision. And a new Texas law that required the burial or cremation of aborted fetuses has also been struck down by yet another federal judge. This judge ruled that law, backed by anti-abortion forces, violated the Roe v. Wade decision by placing an undue burden on women seeking the procedure. And that ruled the judge more than outweighs any benefit, if any, from a law requiring fetal burial or cremation. Supporters of the law say it protects, quote, the dignity of the unborn. The judge ruled it appeared to him the real purpose of the law was to further discourage abortions. Six in ten Americans approve of allowing safe, legal abortions. But as Vice President Mike Pence put it at the anti-abortion rally in Washington last Friday, life is winning again in America. He assured the crowd they had indeed elected a pro-life president. The marchers are pushing for a nationwide ban on abortions after 20 weeks of pregnancy and for cutting off all funding to Planned Parenthood, a move already high on the Republican-controlled government's agenda. Omar's Movie Preview, and the kind of stories that brought us together in the first place, in the third and final segment, up next. You may not like the pressure of finding the right thing for Valentine's Day. She might not have been thrilled with some of your clumsier attempts at romance. Here's how to look like the pro you really are, proflowers.com. You'll find some impressive arrangements there and some impressive deals. Case in point, right now, two dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase for just $29.99 plus shipping and handling. Also, at this convenient time, for just $9.99 more, you can get two dozen assorted long stem roses with a premium vase and some chocolate, of course. 
And when you go to proflowers.com, you can get these deals and support this free podcast. But you have to use the code REALM, R-E-L-M, and you'll need to hurry because these prices expire soon. You'll be on and off the site in two minutes, unless you get caught up in their amazing selection. With Pro Flowers, you set the delivery date, even on Valentine's Day, right to her home or office. I've used Pro Flowers, and they mean it when they say your order is guaranteed fresh for seven days or they'll replace or refund. I trust Pro Flowers to get it right. Be the pro you are. Proflowers.com with the code R-E-L-M. Many would argue that this should have been this week's top story. The price of bacon is going up. Demand is up, not surprisingly, but the supply is down. Pork belly inventories are the lowest they've been in 50 years. And with producers selling more than a fourth of their bacon overseas, and even though they're raising and slaughtering more pigs, that inventory continues to shrink. Prices for slices in the past 10 years have gone from just over $3 a pound to over 5 Experts say it's about to go up even more. A spokesman for the USDA says, on the bright side, there should still be plenty of bacon to go around. Nobody likes drastic price increases, including weed consumers. In the Northern Territory of Australia, a woman called police to report that her pot dealer had drastically increased his prices, and she asked the police to investigate it. When they started to ask her for the specifics of her case, she hung up. But quoting a spokesman, if you know a dealer who's ripping you off, give us a call. We'd love to help. Also from our Pursuit of Happiness department, the makers of one of this past holiday season's most sought-after toys is now the target of a federal class-action lawsuit. It was filed by a mother in Sacramento against the makers of Hatchimals, a toy that hatches from inside an egg. But a number of children, it isn't clear how many, got Hatchimals that never hatched despite following the instructions. It may have been a lot of kids since the phones at Spin Master jammed shortly after the holidays. The lawsuit accuses toy maker Spin Master of leaving the kids coal in their stockings. But the company says it has made things right where it could by replacing the defective eggs. The company says the lawsuit is also, quote, not based on actual facts. A man skiing in Utah this past week fell off a 150-foot cliff. He didn't get a single injury, not one, even though his helmet was broken on impact. The fall was captured on a GoPro camera. Now that's an action film. Split was the top movie last week for the second straight week, and a dog's purpose was nipping at its heels. SAG winner and Best Picture nominee Hidden Figures was third, Resident Evil was fourth, and La La Land was fifth. Here's this week's movie preview from Realm Network Arts and Entertainment editor Omar Latiri, brought to you by Fandango. Opening this weekend, February 3rd, 2017. It's the weekend of the big game, so studios aren't releasing movies that are meant to draw in huge crowds. That being said, there are still some new releases worth mentioning. First, there's Rings, the third film in the American Ring franchise. Set 13 years after the first Ring movie, Rings brings the creepy Samara story into the digital age. Rated PG-13. There's The Comedian, a movie starring Robert De Niro as an aging insult comic who starts to make a comeback. The cast in this movie is packed with reputable names like Danny DeVito, Harvey Keitel, and Edie Falco. It's also directed by Academy Award nominee Taylor Hackford, but this movie has been getting a slew of negative reviews despite the talent in this production. 
rated R. We also have I Am Not Your Negro, a documentary based on James Baldwin's unfinished novel, Remember This House. Narrated by Samuel L. Jackson, I Am Not Your Negro recounts Baldwin's exploration of the history of racism in America. It is also nominated for this year's Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. And finally, there's The Space Between Us, a sci-fi romance story about the first human born on Mars who travels to Earth to find out what life is like there despite the numerous risks the adventure poses to his life. Starring Asa Butterfield and Gary Oldman, The Space Between Us is rated PG-13. For Buzz Burbank News and Comment, I'm Omar Latiri. Thank you, Omar. For theaters and showtimes, previews, tickets, and so much more, and to support this free news, please use and bookmark the Fandango link you'll find at buzzburbank.com. And listen to Omar on his show, ARC, Arts Review and Commentary, right here at realmnetwork.com. It's fair to say that regular gamblers are risk-takers, and that clearly rings true with 52-year-old Kerry Johnson. He was at a blackjack table in the Mardi Gras Casino near Charleston, and it must have not been going well because at one point, Kerry got up from that table and walked into the City National Bank nearby, quoting him, the bank that I had banked with for 40 years. I handed them a note, he says, and was given the money, and it was less money than I had in my account. He was given $5,000, and he went home to drop off most of it. And then, Kerry Johnson says he went back to the casino, sat back down at the blackjack table, and lost 500 from the money he'd just stolen. And even more unfortunate for him, the note he'd handed to the bank said he had a gun and a bomb. He didn't, but it was in the note. Kerry says the day was a blur, but he says it all started to come back when they were showing him the surveillance video. Prosecutors dropped their felony charges in exchange for Kerry's guilty plea, but Mr. Johnson's luck has just begun since he still faces 5 to 18 years for robbing a bank under the threat of force. It was around 6 in the morning one day last week in Chicago when 10-year-old Richard Rodriguez put the keys in the ignition of his parents' car and dutifully climbed into the back seat to wait so his parents could drive him to school. That's when some other young couple scrambled into the car, the woman into the driver's seat, and they drove away quickly. She was driving crazy, says the boy who survived this unhurt, going at least 50 miles an hour, he says. When the car thieves, now technically carjackers, discovered the boy, they pulled into an alley, dropped him off, and drove away. The car still hasn't been recovered. The thieves again left in a hurry, says the 10-year-old. They told me to get off fast, fast from the car. But then the car thieves said something else. Quoting the boy, when they saw I had a backpack, they told me, have a good day at school. In restrooms with changing tables for infants, please remember to put the table back up when you're finished. When a teacher briefly went missing at a school in Rockville, Maryland the other day, she was found trying to get out of a restroom stall. The stall door had been blocked because someone left down the changing table. And finally, say, which one of you left honey on the smoke detector? In Arizona, outside Phoenix, a homeowner found honey in her smoke detector while she was changing the battery, and, well, in her words, I'm like, how does honey get in there? And Kelsey Hughes had another question. How many bees are up there? So she peeked. Again, in her words, there's got to be five to six pounds of honey in the ceiling. 
She's apparently researched this because she says that much honey means somewhere between 60 and 70,000 bees. Well, that may have been true at one time, but the previous homeowners had brought in pest control to exterminate all those highly aggressive Africanized bees. So there were no bees after all. What the previous owners didn't do was clean up the five to six pounds of honey in the attic, some of which has now dripped into Kelsey's smoke detector, which Kelsey says will cost thousands to clean up. Last summer, honey dripped from the ceiling at a hospital in Wales where beekeepers removed over 100,000 bees. I'm just saying, the buzzing you hear overhead might not be electricity. Buzz Burbank, thank you for listening. And thanks for supporting the shows and sponsors at buzzburbank.com. I'll be back next Thursday with another Buzz Burbank news and comments. Buzz, 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 buzz. Buzz, 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 buzz. Buzz, 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 buzz. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network.